everybody. Welcome to another episode of Champs and Gossip. I'm Carlin here with Stephanie. Hello, everybody. And we have our resident correspondent, Sunia, with us today. <laughs> Say hi. Zoom, zoom, zoom. Make my heart go boom, boom. My supernova girl. <laughs> I love it. Um, So we took a week off just to kind of, you know, reflect on all the things that are going on and felt like um, we wanted to kind of do an episode dedicated to what's going on in the world right now. And then obviously there's been a lot of um, Bravo turnover and things. So which, you know, plays well into our gossip and celebrity things that we talk about. So we figured we'd do a dedicated episode. So today's, ta- well, I guess we are all drinking something, so we can talk about what we're drinking. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, today, am drinking a Vizzy Hard Seltzer. Um, it's actually really good. It is, um, has a hint of blueberry and pomegranate, and there's actually, like, um, vitamin C in it. And... Um, we got them at work, but um, Heather McMahon, who we like love, she posted about them a lot because her sister actually didn't realize there was alcohol in them, and she had four of them, and she was wasted. <laughs> uh, it's one of my favorite quarantine stories. Like, amazing. I was like, she just thought it was seltzer water, and I was like... Yeah, oh, but she was pounding them because they are they are really delicious. I like... They're a lot more flavorful than most seltzers are. Yeah, like sure. a lot more flavorful. And then even when you pour them into a glass, like they're colorful. So you mm-hmm. like, yeah. That's good. Um, Sunia, what are you drinking? I have this like shit eating grin on my face because we are literally the same person today. I too am drinking a Vizzy and I'm drinking the exact same flavor. I did not know. I did not know that there was alcohol in them. I was trying to be cool. Um, and I put it in ice and I muddle strawberries in my little canteen here. And um, between you, me, and all of your listeners, this is my past 3 p.m. drink when I'm doing work and I have either calls or customer service things to deal with. Once the three o'clock hour comes around, it's kind of like my own New York thank you COVID workers for your services bell. And I like to make a drink for myself. (laughs) Busy has become... The drink of choice. Oh my god, I love that. Of nine a.m. and six p.m. That's <laughs> awesome. Vizzies are so good. Like they're good. the flavors are great. They have the blueberry, pomegranate. Then they have kiwi, strawberry. They have pineapple, mango, and then they have a black cherry lime. Yeah. So the black yeah. cherry lime is also delicious. Yeah. And I yeah. think the trick is to muddle the muddle fruit with whatever fruits in your flavor. That's a good tip. Mm, yeah. That's a really good tip. I like it. I just drink them straight and I drink them fast. <laughs> uh, what are you drinking, Stephanie? Um, I'm drinking my go-to drink of the summer. Um, you can't see what it is because my cup is red. But I'm drinking my White Claw Pina Colada. So my White Claw with Malibu, frozen pineapple, and then I throw in a splash of uh, pineapple. Like, I'm uh, sorry, coconut. 
delicious. Yeah, it's so good. And um, but it goes down too quickly because it's it's too good. Do you also find that um, because you're drinking it out of a straw that your your straw sips are way bigger than yeah. your like non-straw sips, right? Yeah. So I'm moving. I'm getting ready to move. So I've been packing. So I first off, we packed our entire kitchen except for the air fryer, my like blender thing that I make my smoothies and my cocktails, and then like <laughs> one pot to like cook food in. And one like sheet pan, I for I don't know whatever. Anyway, I also discovered a whole bag of like plastic smoothie straws, and like I have since bought like a ton of like metal straws or like reusable straws. So I'm like, well, I need to use these. So every single beverage that I've been drinking for the past week and will for the next week will be drank out of a thick smoothie straw. So yeah, I drink it in like two seconds because like one sip is half of a, of a cup. I kind of love it. You're encouraging me right now to go get a straw, which (laughs) I'm about to do right now. Your dentist will be very grateful for it. I love those straws. I love straws. Like I, I do too. We've talked about this before. I have switched over to reusable ones, but I am a big straw fan. I always have been Uh, a year a year ago, I got my gallbladder removed. Oh, that's right. And this is not like a sad, it's a silly story. Um, so like you, like once you have it removed, you're not supposed to drink out of a straw. Oh, really? But, well, after the surgery for like a few weeks because sure. it creates bubbles and bubbles create air pockets and air pockets create pain. My doctor forgot to tell me this. Oh, Oh my goodness. So I am drinking out of straws because I am always drinking out of a straw. Like always. I drink my coffee out of a straw in the morning, even if it's hot. I just love, I love straws. And so I literally like three nights after my surgery was in like excruciating pain because of the straw. And even after I learned that's why I kept drinking out of a straw. Cause once I knew the reason I could handle the pain. Oh my goodness. Well, you sacrifice, right? And that's everything in life. It's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> for a little oh satisfaction God. I like the straw I have a straw now I feel yeah. I'm cheers. in the club Laheim. cheers ladies cheers okay. um, how are you guys doing that's what I want to start with yeah um I am better well not better but I think the last like couple of weeks it's been just like a roller coaster of emotions because like you are sad and then you're just angry and then you're confused and you're, you know, it's just like a bunch of different like emotions. Right. And I also, so like I, the other day while I was watching, so last night we were watching 13th and it is just like so sad that I don't know when they filmed it, but it came out in 2016 and the fact that I, like, after it, I felt like things are worse. And that was four years ago. And, like, I think one of, like, I mean, there are so many points in that, in that documentary that you're just like, Ugh. and I, and the sad thing, so obviously they go, they go back from the beginning of, like, just how we got to where we are with, 
you know, African-Americans in America and just police brutality and whatnot. So they go through the whole thing. So obviously when you're watching in the beginning, you're like, of course, like we know the history, right? But I think what makes it so depressing and it's just so like crushing is when you see like the, the phone footage of black people at Trump rallies that are literally like being pushed, hit, like in whatever year that was, like 20, 2016, 2015 or whatever year. And, and I know Stephanie, you haven't seen it, but it'll, I mean, it still is, no matter what, even if I tell you what happens, it still will affect you, right? And she does this thing where she compares what somebody is talking about, how it was in the 60s, and they're showing the same actions that white people were doing in the 60s to what they were doing at these, like, rallies. And, like, it's just sad. It's just gross that, like, at this point, you still are so, like, a man was, like, literally walking up arena steps and a, and a man punched him in the face. Ugh. For what? And that's the thing that just like, it like drives me crazy. Cause it's like, they aren't doing anything. So at that point, it's just because you are black. And then that is the saddest part about it. Is that, you know, for our parents, especially black kids and like, for, you know, in your thirties or forties or however old you are, your parents lived through this and they probably were like, look, like, like, I hope our kids don't ever have to see this. And then that's not the, and, and sadly that's not the case, right? Like we are having to live through it. And especially the kids, you know, the parents of all of these black men and women who were killed I'm sure their parents are like, the fuck? I never would have thought this would happen to my child because I've like lived that, thought we were getting over that. So it's just like, I don't know, it's it's a wave of emotions. And then you talk, and then, sorry to like take up all the time, but. Don't, don't apologize. And then, you know, you have like moments of like hope when, you know, I know for me, and I've, I've said this, I've had this conversation with a lot of people that I feel like we all have lived in a bubble, right? Like we all live in a bubble. Some of us live in a bubble of goodness. And like, I am blessed that I have great people around me. I've always, like I was raised around so many diverse people. So like I have white friends, I have Hispanic friends, I have, I have friends from all over. So you know, I am in a bubble of multicultural goodness and all of those people are good people, but like that's a bubble and that's not real life. And I think there's a lot of white people who were in that bubble too. And their bubble is now like getting burst, you know, and I have had some conversations with some of my white friends that I am like, thank you. Like realize it, you know, realize that for so long, you're in your bubble. You have your, you, you socialize with black people. You, you know, you hang out with black people, but like, you don't know, you don't know what you don't know. So, um, 
you know, it's interesting. You're always learning, right? And I think too, you know, sometimes it's out of sight, out of mind. And I, I feel too, as, as, as a black female, there are times that I am in my life and I live my life. And, you know, I feel like sadly, I probably should do more, you know, and I don't because I'm in my bubble. So, you know, I think this has, was probably woken a lot of people up, right? You know, people that you always are going to have your activists and people that are always fighting for something. But I think you have awoken people who, you know, and I was telling Sunia this um, yesterday, we were talking about, you know, yes, there's white privilege, but I also think that, you know, there's black privilege. I will say that like, you know, I was privileged in a sense that, you know, my parents did very well for themselves and we were in situations where I never felt, you know, uncomfortable or, I mean, you like, you always feel, you always realize, obviously, like you always know you're the only black person in a situation or, you know, you're the only black person in your friend group or, you know, and if, if that happens, right. That you're always aware of that. But I, I, I think that I, I never, I never was super fearful in certain situations. Right. And so, but I, do feel like now I should use the fact that I have had privilege to help others that don't have that privilege. Um, and so that's kind of like me and Sneha were talking about that yesterday, just how, you know, a lot of our friends are in that same situation where, you know, we are very grateful and blessed that we were put in a situation where we didn't have to see certain things, but that doesn't mean that it it will never happen. You know, we've all experienced some type of racial profiling or whatever, you know, it's not as serious as some others, but you know, it's always there. So Sunia, I'll let you, <laughs> you can. Yeah. Do you, I'm like nodding. Like I'm in a church pew right now. I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I feel like the lady sitter right now. I am like, right. Yes. Yes. Preach. Yes. Preach. But I can say, um, and I'm grateful for our friendship for so many reasons. And I think one of the reasons why um, I am one of the luckiest black women in America right now is that I have three best friends that all have very similar identities before we became friends of being that token black girl in your bubble. And there is safety in that because you know that the white best friend whose house you're sleeping at, whose dad is going to pick you up from the beach and then take you to dance class. Like, you know that they care about you and that they will protect you. Um, Unlike Carlin and some of our other best girlfriends that are black women, my parents, I didn't have mom and dad. I had a grandmother. So add that extra layer in of not having the family, like a real family unit in the concept of black privilege while growing up in a predominantly white environment and still feeling the support from your white environment, right? Like Carlin said, like, you know, it exists. It's something that happens all of the time. We see it. We are in our bubbles and I'm as uncomfortable as I am in my skin right now, especially during COVID, because now my next thought is now that everyone is up and running and back out and about and moving, how now that we can't actually engage, we can't hug, we're still social distancing. 
and I have a mask on. Okay. So that takes away the one thing that I think is a decompressor. If there was any racial aggression with someone that I didn't know is my smile, right? I'm a happy go lucky, friendly person. I like to engage and interact with people. It makes me feel good to be able to have a conversation with someone who's not my color, someone who doesn't speak my language, someone who does speak my language. I'm first generation from Nigeria in the United States of America. And I take pride in that, knowing that my father worked really hard to, for me to feel the way that I feel about myself, Mm -hmm. right? I'm not saying that that's everybody's story and we don't have that close of a relationship, but I'm aware of the importance for me as a Nigerian to be my absolute best because I'm aware of what it took for someone to come here and start a new life, say that this is where they wanted a home. Um, I'm sensitive to other people's feelings because I'm an empathetic person and I have probably a very balanced mix of black friends and white friends. So I'm sensitive to my black friends because I think some of them feel like Carlin and I do and we're lucky we have each other to have this discussion with openly. But then I'm also sensitive to my white friends who it's an unspoken understanding that they're not racist, that they are culturally educated, that they are a lover and supporter of the United States of America because that's what we're supposed to be. But they may have felt it and maybe not towards me. And maybe that's not something that they will tell me. Um, so it's a, it's an interesting dynamic in the environment right now. I'm glad, Carlin, that you said everything that you said before, because I do feel like I'm on the other side now of the roller coaster where I'm like, okay, you may have had a modicum of black privilege in the sense that you're not a threat that another Caucasian person, right? We're doing this African-American, black, white thing. I hate using the words because I find them a little denigrating at the same time, right? So it's like, um, maybe this Caucasian person is uncomfortable with me, but I have been able in my 35 years of life to show them that you don't have to fear everyone that has the same color as me. Mm -hmm. And I used to be very passive about that because I didn't feel like it was always my fight because just being a black woman in America is a fight in and of itself. And now I feel like it's not my fight, but if I have the opportunity to pull people up from the bootstrap, as they say, or reach a hand down to be supportive, then I can do that. And I think that that's gratitude. You know, I'm not as angry because I know that I have good white friends like you, Steph, that love us, respect us. We've shared a room together on vacation, you know, like sharing each other's makeup products. And so when I take away the color and I just have a conversation like this, I realize that we have so much more that we have in common than we don't. And if the only difference between you and I at the end of the day is my skin tone, like we can work around that. We have way more that we agree about that we're going to talk about tonight because I'm so excited. Like we have way more that we can share. And I think if we concerted our efforts in that regard to our immediate bubbles, because we do all have them and they have all been burst, right? Everyone's bubble is being popped. So if we can at least know that Stephanie's child 
is going to feel comfortable hanging out with Aunt Carlin and Aunt Nia and doesn't care that my skin is brown and loves me just the same, like, then we've done our good, right? And then if Stephanie's kids become best friends with Carlin's kids, I'm going to be the camp director. I'm not having kids. (laughs) But if your kids become friends and then their kids become friends, then there's a new generation of a new understanding and a new relationship. And so I think that my Black privilege has given me the opportunity to not be afraid of a, a racial incongruency, if you will. Yeah. So I have to do that for other Black girls that may not have had the same comfort. Mm-hmm. I have to make them feel accepted in an environment where they probably don't. Because maybe they're more ethnic, ethnic than me. I mean, hello, my hair is balayage right now. Like I have blonde highlights, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, you know, that there's like a profiling thing that happens. So if I can open my heart big enough for them, the way that I do with everyone else, then I think that's, those are the steps. Those are the small incremental steps that we can all take. Absolutely. That's my Ted talk. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. Well, I love you guys both. I love, I have never ever considered myself racist, but I do think that I lived in a bubble like serious bubble where I was like so afraid of offending somebody or saying something offensive that I just like ignored it completely. Yeah. And like, I don't want to say the whole, I, I didn't see color. Cause it's not that I didn't see color. It's just, I thought that if I ignored color, that was how I showed that. Like I loved everybody, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so I think because of that, I just, I, then went the wrong way about things and like just ignored it, which like it doesn't help anything. I don't want to cut you off because I want you to have your TED talk too, but I know do I don't, say, I don't want to have a TED talk. I'm just saying like a lot of what you're saying, it's like, I think though stuff that, so it's unfortunate because ignoring the color is the right move essentially. Right. You're just looking at a person and a person. Right. You like housewives? I like right. housewives. Yeah, and that's you all, know what all I, I mean? care about is that you like right. housewives. You like super goop? I like super goop. I just got a huge order, by the way. We will discuss that sidebar. So it's like, you're right. That is actually the decent thing to do is to be like, I'm just going to ignore this um, birthmark that I have under my eye because it has nothing to do with me. It's just a, it's just a birthmark, but you're still the same person. You're funny. You're courageous. You're outgoing superlative after, you know, I could give you so many. So yes, that is the right thing to do. Unfortunately, do you have to have the uncomfortable conversations after it? And I think that that's just as hard for you as a white woman, as it is for us as black women who have white best friends. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You know, I don't know about you, Carlin, and I don't know how much time we want to give to this, but I remember times growing up where I was like, made fun of by my other black friends because of the fact that I had white friends so many other white friends and I sound like how I sound and I like how I like and I went Mm -hmm. to a private school like it I've I've um felt the uncomfortable tension on both ends yeah but I've always been okay with it because integrity matters at the end of the day more than anything else Mm-hmm. It's the one thing that you can't cash your chips in on. Yeah. 
right? Like you can't bet for more, for more integrity. You just can't. Yeah. So I'm comforted, I think, and proud of myself, my black best friends who also have white best friends. Like I'm, I'm proud of my white friends who have black best friends or Hispanic or Asian best friends. Like I'm proud of us because we already sense it and it doesn't affect our ability to love each other. Right. And, and I, that's a learned thing. Yeah. You know? And I know for me, like, I was in the same boat, right? Growing up because of the, like, where I lived or the schools I went to, you know, they were predominantly white. Um, and, you know, in high school, a lot of my close friends were white. And I do think that, like, gr- when you're growing up, like, you're parents do kind of want you to be friends with everybody. Right. And and I don't, I don't necessarily think I ever had like a conversation with my parents necessarily about race. I think as a, as a black person in America, you learn about your history. You, you watch roots on Saturday night when it's aired on television, like you talk about where you came from. So, you know, as, as a black child, like, it's understood. Right. Like you understand it, you know, I, and obviously like, I can't remember like <laughs> school's not my thing. So like, I can't remember how much is dedicated to actual black history in America besides like black history month, you know, which is a joke in itself in school because, you know, and I can't, uh, and I can't speak to like what, is done now, right? I can just go off of what was done in the 90s and like the 2000s, which- It wasn't executed. It wasn't, no, it wasn't executed. And the things they could have shown, the movies they could have shown, you could have talked a little bit more about it. And which I think would then maybe help conversations when you are older or, you know, help the white kids in school go home and be like, mom, like, dad, what is this? And, you know, hopefully their parents would be like, oh yeah, this is what happened and actually have a conversation with them. But I don't think, I mean, I don't necessarily know if that was really happening back then. You know, I think nowadays a lot of people in our, like I would say in our age age group, maybe, you know, from 30 to 50, are probably having more race conversations with their children. I'm hoping, you know, and I, I definitely think that our generation will raise children to have these conversations. I mean, my best friend, Jen brought her little daughter, six year old daughter to the women's March, you know? So like things like that are amazing. And you hear stories like that, about, you know, people in the 60s that were, they, as children, were going to, you know, Martin Luther King's speech and, like, all of these things, even, like, the Million Man March and stuff like that. So I, I hope that as we move, you know, forward, that all of our kids will soon, you know, outweigh, you know, the kids that were raised with the parents that, don't give a shit and are going to continue to be, you know, racist. Cause, cause that's the, you know, and I think people have always, I think also people have always been like, well, once the old people die out, we'll be fine. And it's like, but not necessarily because those people had children and those people have taught their kids 
to hate. I mean, so it's, you have to stop that somewhere. So yeah, that's great. They are no longer with us, but they have raised two generations of people that are wanting to kill black people. So, you know, I just, it's, it's a lot, you know, it's a lot of, (laughs) it is a lot. I, I will say, I feel comforted by what you said in the sense that I do believe the millennial generation and the generation right below us are going to be relentless. Yeah. I mean, seeking a lot out of this are change. The ones that are organizing these protests. That's what yeah, I'm telling you. A lot of them and are. And that's out. what I think is the most brilliant thing ever. They are the boomer of our generation. The baby boomers were very much those people that were breaking barriers. But if they weren't doing quaaludes, they were protesting against LBJ. I mean, do you know what I'm saying? Like a lot of things happened during their time frame. They 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 really pushed for a lot of change rapidly. The good thing I'm comforted by, to be honest with you, is that. The progress that we have made have afforded Carlin and I the opportunity to be able to have this conversation right now in the position that we're in right now. And so I know that progress has been made. And just like all great things in life, a mountain, a highway, it takes time to build, to develop, and to turn it into something that becomes um, something you can feed off of in your ecosystem later, right? So like, I'm uncomfortable with all of the craziness, but I know that before the change comes the chaos. And I think that we've just come crashing straight into it. And so we can heal ourselves slowly, but surely through November. Yeah. Do the right thing. Yeah. Champs and gossip listeners. (laughs) (laughs) I think that, you know, as terrible as, you know, COVID is and was, I think that it allowed, and I, I want to say Portia or somebody said it on there, on the, it allowed, and I was telling Matt this, it allowed people to truly see that video. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. They're blocked by sports. There's no games on. The entertainment is struggling right now. All we are looking at is reality Social media, that's it. All day, every day is social media. Every day, and the news. So you were forced to watch it. You were, whereas before you could skim it, you had had to go to work, you had to go to Beyonce concert, you had to go here, you had to go there. You weren't thinking about it. But it has allowed people who probably would have never seen that video, which to this day I have not because I just... I, it's heartbreaking. So I, I didn't I, get all the way through it. I had it. It's I, hard. It's I, hard to watch. I could not. And I've already seen, I've seen so many others that I was like, I already know what this is. Like I already, like I was cool. But I think there are some people who have, who had never seen it. Like, and saw it. And it woke a lot of people up. And I hope that because there, it seems like there's more of a movement and more people speaking about it and more people kind of being outraged and like, you know, and 
to be honest, even within my social media platforms, like I've seen more people talk about it than I probably thought would, you know, and, and they're white. So, you know, and to me that shows maybe there's some movement that actually will stick and needs to happen. And it's not just another situation and to wait for the other situations for the other situation, you know? So I, there's, I have hope in that, that this was like the, not the, I mean, obviously not the last straw. I would love it to be like the last that we see, but I feel like it's like the camel that broke, you know, the straw that broke the camel's back that like, no. It's the straw. Um, I read something earlier today on Twitter that said that the Black Lives Matter that was once scoffed at Mm. has now become become the hashtag Me Too movement of 2020. And I like that it was put in that regard because I do think that you're not above, even if something that you said happened years ago, Sorry, this is a motorcycle. Do you hear him? <laughs> yes, and it's okay. It's Zoom. This is what happens, right? He is, he is having a... It's beautiful outside, so he's, like, loving his life. He's like, rim, rim. Um, but what I was saying was that, like, I just feel that... Now you're on notice. Yep. Right? We never... No one is looking at their yearbook anymore. But now we can say, remember this yearbook photo when you did this stupid thing? Mm-hmm. Remember that tweet when you tweeted this thing or that yeah. Facebook post when you did that thing? Like, yeah. And now content, I think, matters more than it used to. Mm-hmm. Content was more superfluous about sell yeah. this thing, hawk this shit, buy this shit, be this cool. Mm-hmm. I think content matters. It has always mattered. I think yeah. it matters more now. Yeah. And I think if you're going to make a dollar – off of the off of any of us mm-hmm. as people, mm-hmm. you have to be your your integrity has to be worth it, right? Didn't I say earlier that that's like the most invaluable thing? I feel like yeah. now your integrity has got to be worth me buying your cookbook and your DVD and going to see your movie and buying oh. your sneakers, the whole gambit. Mm-hmm. Like we're doing yeah, inventory I've, cleanup, yeah. I definitely have done inventory cleanup. I mean, I've gone through a lot of the people I follow. Thankfully, I didn't have any, like, I I haven't had anybody who is, like, like all lives matter or, like, anti-Black Lives Matter, which, like, kind of surprised me. <laughs> but I have had people just have who have ignored it. And even those people, I've just, like, I haven't followed because... If you want me to look at your content and go to your blog and buy the dress that I know you're making money off because I clicked on your like it to know it link. Like I want to at least like believe in what you are. And even if you're not like a socially motivated platform, because it's, I do think this is a social issue more. I think politics play into it significantly, but I think it's a social, like it's, it's a social like, right matter you know I've stopped following you I also realized that like the people I follow like are not diverse Mm -hmm. and I'd like to say they even look like me but they don't they're all like blonde haired skinny little twigs (laughs) 
Like what? Isn't that something? Isn't that something? I just took a behavioral study test. Yeah. Um, and what they did was they scanned through a bunch of faces, different skin tones, different people, different personalities, different eye colors, you name it. Yeah. And you rated things based on how you saw it. And everyone gets an individual score, but then they also talk about the average score. And the average score always, you always gravitate to the person that doesn't resonate with you. They don't fucking look like you. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's cool that other people are able to captivate us in that way. You know yeah, but I mean? I'm like, what the heck? Why am I looking at these people for like fashion advice or like, like makeup tutorials? Like, yeah. Right. You're like, this is not even my it. skin tone. I can't even. No, like none of it. Like none of it. So like I went through and I just deleted a lot of them and I'm like, this is dumb. Like, why am I following you? Like, so then I've been like actively trying to like follow more diverse accounts and like research, like people who actually have my interests and like, like I love Trader Joe's and I found this account that is like, uh, like, I can't remember the name of it. I'll find it by the end of the podcast. And it's like, it's, I'll find it right now. And it's basically this black girl who loves Trader Joe's. And I'm like, this is the best like new find I've had on social media in months because I love making things from Trader Joe's. Like, I think there's also probably going to be an algorithm reboot also based on what I was telling you. You know what I mean? Like, I think that that's also a part of it. You know, this is a systemic problem. So it's, it takes a collective effort from a lot of different companies and a lot of different facets, I think, in order to push that ball up the happy hill. Yeah. But you need to tell me who this Trader Joe's girl is because I was there yesterday and I could have used some advice and none of the workers wanted to help me. They were not what? happening. What? <laughs> they don't want to I asked four different people where the sesame seeds were and nobody knew. <laughs> <laughs> no one knew that's really bad i was upset <laughs> stephanie's still trying to find your phone. stephanie's still scrolling and i i remember specifically telling you in a voice note i'm going to trader joe's really quick i have to get back to work i was there 10 minutes longer than i wanted to be because i walked up and down every single aisle looking for fucking sesame seeds <laughs> you don't have them Okay, just straight up, black girls love Trader Joe's. Oh my god, that's amazing. <laughs> I'm following her right now. <laughs> oh my it's god. great. I mean, it's true. Black girls do love Trader Joe's. I love Trader Joe's. So, like, if you are posting recipes of things just from Trader Joe's, like... You're like, I'm in. Sign me up. Like... <laughs> following done i love it i have and i found her though because this other account i do follow called trader joe's list has been posting her stuff like all week she's been like reposting it on her account oh that's awesome yeah so i was like glad to find her because i literally that's like one of my favorite joys in life is trader joe's (laughs) me too honestly one closer to me you're probably going to get one opening up soon by you because so many things are building around you. But I also feel like um, COVID has made me love TJ's more than ever. Same. Like, I really appreciate it. I have to tell you, though, at, there was a point in time at the very beginning when it was like the line was wrapped around the store just to get in. 
and they hired new people that clearly they didn't train on the etiquette of like packing a proper Trader Joe's paper bag. (laughs) So there were a few times when I came home and I was like, you just threw everything in here and you had no idea what you were doing, but I forgive you because lately I've been going and like everything is like perfectly tetrously like packed into the bag. And I'm like, all right, the workers are back guys. We're, we're, we're making a comeback. That's better than Publix where they like bag, like they put your chicken in one bag and then your pasta in one bag and you end up with like 25 different bags. I'm like, no, you, that's why I bring my, that's why I have to bring my own because I'm like, no, put it all, mm -mm, put it all in that bag. (laughs) Well, right now at Trader Joe's, you cannot bring your own bags. Oh, really? Yeah. And you have to wear a mask at mine and you cannot touch your mask or move it around. You have to keep it on your face. (laughs) I have to tell you at checkout yesterday, I had a little itch. Oh, no. And I had to itch it. So it was the first time I had ever used Apple Pay at Trader Joe's because I was like, I think everyone's staring at me, touching myself and itching. I was like sneezing in my mask and trying not oh, to, gosh. I was trying not to make a hachoo out loud. Uh-huh. So all you see me doing is like convulsing <laughs> at the checkout line. So I was like, fuck this. I'm just going to use Apple Pay. And honestly, I should have been using it this whole entire time because I don't have to pull my card out. I don't have to yeah. touch anything. It's really safe. I recommend it. But how terrible when you have to cough in a mask and everyone looks at you and it's like, I'm not sick. I'm just coughing because I've been wearing a mask. Correct. For two hours. I'm my I'm sneezing because my nostril hairs, are, which maybe I need to wax my nose. My wax place just opened, but like my nostril hairs, I feel like are tickling the outside of the mask, and so it's just. Yes. Problems. Oh my god. Let's talk anyway. television. Yes. Well, um, thank you. Thank you guys though for opening up. And I'm I'm glad that we can talk. Yeah. And I'm gonna try to do better and be better. I wanna say that I think that you already do do better. And I mean, I but I, I think I can do better. I just I don't know. I I appreciate I, you saying that, but I, I just feel like don't I've learned a lot in the past two weeks. Listen, I'm sure you probably have. I'm sure, like Carlin said, there are things that her and I probably learn about the progression of racism in the United States, whatever that history lesson is you want to call. It. We probably learn something new every day that we're like flabbergasted about. Yeah, but I'm, sure. I'm I'm plotting you as our friend, right? As our friend, I'm recognizing the fact that you are an amazing person and that because you don't see color, you are able to have these really awesome relationships in your life that mean something Mm -hmm. that you are using as an example in other aspects of your life when I'm sure Carlin and I aren't around, right? I see color, but I just love every color. Thank you. (laughs) I do too. I love me a Crayola box. So I mean, and I always have, because like, I mean, my parents, I don't think ever had a conversation with me about race. Like I don't, and I mean, they probably didn't think they needed to, but at the same time, like from jump, I always, like, I've always had black friends. I've always had friends of all different races. Like I just have, it was never like a, a thing because like, it was ne- like, it was never something that I didn't have, right. but I also don't think that they did a great job, like 
covering things they probably still should have covered because I can tell you that public school in Florida did a shitty ass job at Black History Month because yeah. I literally only knew about Rosa Parks and Martin Luther King for many years until yeah. I started like watching movies and reading things and getting research on my own. So yeah. hopefully that will change. And that's yeah, I, I hope that changes. And like I said, I can't speak to like what is happening now in the schools district because like district uh, <laughs> but because I like I don't have kids and like I uh, most of my friends who have kids they're like babies so I don't know you know what they are teaching but like I agree like I, most of the stuff that I learned you know you learn it in your household because you know that yeah they talk about it in school and you have to do a project but like uh it's not, no, it's, it's surface it's, level. It's the most right. like it's popular stories. It's not the app, like the actual history of things or in depth or anything like that. At least not that I remember. Can I tell you guys that I had to watch Roots mm. in middle school? Mm-hmm. Like yep. in school? In school, in you class. In I school? I was the only black girl in class and I had to watch Roots. And it was the only time in my life where I remember being, I just felt mortified. I didn't even know these people, the characters or the storyline, but I knew that they were telling the story of me. Yeah. And I felt, um, it's like when you get your period in public. Yeah. And you're just like, does everyone know that I have a period? Like, you're just mortified. I felt mortified Mm -hmm. because also I'm sitting next to people that I've just been like, we're fucking doing each other's homework and sending a burn book through the class. Like, we're engaging in one another. (laughs) And then I have to watch this terribly horrible thing about and watch, you know, literally in the first episode, they're like beating Kunta Kinte. Yeah. Um. And everyone is looking at me. Yeah. And I'm already the person that they already consider to be the least black on the totem pole of how black is, is Sunia. I'm like already at the bottom. Yeah. yeah. My black meter for them was already down here. <laughs> and I have them all looking at me and I'm just like, I don't know what to tell you. How yeah. do you, how do you feel uncomfortable? <laughs> imagine, imagine wearing the skin. Yeah. 365 days a year. It's yeah. already uncomfortable. So in one sense, I was immune. And then in another sense, I realized they were all looking for a reaction from me as opposed to thinking, as opposed to me looking at a reaction from them. Right. I should have been looking at them like, oh my God, you notice that your ancestors (laughs) lynched my ancestors? How do you feel about that? Yeah. And you don't have that power over them because we don't have the power over anything. Yeah. But don't get me started. Anytime we go... so. Anytime we go, like me and Matt, um, like watch a movie, or I think I remember like when we saw Django. No, no, we weren't dating then. Um, <laughs> I don't think so. No, I don't think we were dating. Uh, I don't remember. Maybe we were, but the hate you give. Oh, um, but that like, was recent. yeah, but like any movie, right? The hate you give, um, Selma he is always like 
I like, I don't feel, obviously I don't feel bad for him, but in a sense, he is like, my people are terrible. You know what I mean? And like, I like, I feel for him in the sense that like, he is not like that, but he has to deal with the fact that his ancestors were terrible people. And that, you know, and for me, it's like so many layers, right? Is that like, I'm married to a white man and then my children, I think that's why also my emotions have been everywhere too. It's that, you know, I will have to, I have to talk to both sides, right? I have to explain, you know, your white side and then I have to explain the black side of the family, right? And so I think that, makes it even more like just, you know, and every, every mixed family has to do that, but it's just when it's so divisive for so long, you know, and obviously there's moments that you can be like, well, this is, you know, this is why mom and dad can, you know, be married and live in this world because, you know, interracial marriage was, is not illegal anymore, you know, and stuff like that, that, when you look back, you're like, yes, that's great. We don't, we don't have segregation and, you know, but there's still a little bit of it. So it's just, it's like the layers that you're like, (laughs) it's like, I have a little bit of hope. And then it's like, "Ah," then there's this. So it's just, you know, so watching, watching shows and movies with him like that is, you know, I am, I am blessed in the sense that he wants to learn, right? And wants to get better and wants to understand it. Because, you know, as a family, when we have kids, like, I want to have those discussions together and not just like, your mom's going to talk to you about Black history. Like, no, like, we are going to sit down as a family and we're going to watch this and we're going to learn and we're going to talk to how do you feel seeing these things that, you know, this is the history of both of your ancestors. And like, you know, I just, I always think about that. So um, to end on that, (laughs) not really to end, but. (laughs) No, that makes me feel good. And obviously I share your sentiment with having to have those discussions with your spouse since my boyfriend also is white, um, but he's Jewish. So it's, there's a little difference in the sense that I think he can relate to like persecution (laughs) in a sense. But it's still different because when they're looking at his skin color, they don't see the star of David. Do you know what I mean? Right. So they're still looking at him as a white man. They don't know that he's necessarily Jewish until he opens his mouth and tries to get a better deal. Right. (laughs) So um, it's kind of cool because we too get to watch movies together and have these very uncomfortable discussions together Mm -hmm. Um, and he owns a day camp, so he deals with kids and he realizes how important it is to be better examples for that generation. And that makes me feel good. Um, I feel supported in that because I know that he has a very small sect of African-Americans that go to his camp, but he loves those kids. He could tell me everything about them, where they were born, when they lost their first tooth, I mean, he invested in their relationships. And so it makes me feel good that he takes pride in knowing that he is responsible for children, all of them, all races, colors, ethnicities, and that he can understand and relate to them because he too is a partner who also is a different race background and ethnicity. It's just, you know, I, 
it's it's fun not funny but it's one of those things where I think for so long you people try to avoid having a conversation about race right and because it makes people uncomfortable but like you're right like everyone should have an it's it's funny not funny but we me and Stephanie were at a funeral on Saturday and the pastor was like, he's had to have three uncomfortable conversations in his life. And like, they obviously, they were related to different things and death and like, you know, whatever. But it's true. Like, we all should have uncomfortable conversations with people because at the end of the day, that's the only way that like, it makes you better. Whether it's talking about race or talking to your boss about a raise or, you know what I mean? Like there's so many uncomfortable conversations that you can have with, with a person, but at the end of the day, you always feel better after that uncomfortable conversation, right? You always, you always feel like, yeah, like, let rip the, it's like rip the bandaid off. Rip the bandaid off. Yeah. Let's yeah. do it. Let's let's hash this out. And I think that I hope that like everyone is just having uncomfortable conversations with each other. You know, I I encourage all of my white friends to have conversations with their black friends. I think I posted that on Instagram. Like, and if you don't have black friends, then go make some friends. <laughs> yeah, like maybe you need to have a couple, you know? I mean, it's you can't have the coconut divas. We are not on rent. <laughs> right. But like, you know, and I think, and that, and sorry, this is, a, but I think another thing, what is, what I think is great about college is college is like a melting pot. And that's where, because, you know, to be frank, like I said before, like I, my closest friends in high school were all white. You know, I hung out with the black girls. We cheered together. Like we were, we were friends, but they, at the end of the day, like they weren't my crew. And I think going to college allowed me to be in different circles. And like, especially when you have so many, I mean, Florida was huge, but you have so many people there and the chances of you, you know, meeting somebody who is black, Indian, Hispanic ever is, is greater than at your, your high school. So I, I, that's why I think, you know, colleges are, are so important because to me, that's where you find different cultures and different, you know, friendships and people that you might've never come across in your home, you know, city or state or wherever you live. Um, Oh yeah. I'm off my soapbox. <laughs> Again, I got on my soapbox and now I'm back off of it. I did the same thing. I got on it and then I got off it, but I do think that it's important for us to be able to speak to the moment and speak to this current event as you guys are so amazing at doing for every other. Um, and I'm also proud of the fact that you, the two of you are kind of trailblazers. Like let's give a shout out to Shams and gossip. It's a black woman and a white woman. Who agree? Who have the ability to have several seasons and multiple discussions about all things life, liberty, and the pursuit of being the best housewife that you can possibly be? Like literally. <laughs> literally. And again, yeah. 
we're, we're, we're bonding over commonalities, right? Okay. So like if Carlin can reach the white woman in, um, Biloxi, Mississippi, (laughs) because of her opinion on Tamra, Carlin has done her good. Yeah. If Stephanie happens to make a bomb ass comment about Nene leaks (laughs) and the girl in Oakland hears Stephanie say so, Stephanie has done some good. Yes. So My bonus comment is going to be about Miss Portia because yes, come talk about doing some good. Standing ovation. First off, she carried this season of Real Housewives of Atlanta. She really she did. She was the quarterback. I want to say carry because Atlanta is a strong, yeah, strong franchise. They roll deep, but. She is like the MVP, and then now all of this stuff going on. I mean, I mean, she was I at one of the protest. She went to the protest because she wanted to be able to speak about it. Yep. And then I didn't know anything about her grandfather. Yeah. And then I was reading stuff about him. He was um, a civil rights activist. And then now the way she speaks about things is so it's so beautiful and well put together and she says she doesn't even like write it out or like she just speaks it's the complete definition of don't judge a book by its cover yes don't judge a book by portia williams cover yes her first season on the show she was in a relationship she was a housewife that she was trying to genuinely be a housewife to a man who was subservient Right. And so that became her storyline. That became her stigma. That became where she had to like break off of, I think, kind of to evolve post it. Kenya didn't help at all. Kenya did not help bring out the best aspects of Portia. Right. I think that Nini saw the best aspects of Portia and that's why they had such a great relationship. I agree. Portia is a great story, as does Giselle Bryant. They both have families that were that are activist royalty. Just like being a good person is embedded in Carlin's DNA and my DNA, like civil rights and action and leadership and organizing. Like those are like real things that they do. Like Hosea Williams. They have a foundation that they feed the homeless. And I think they do it like two or three times a year oh, yeah. in Atlanta. Yeah. So they talked about that on the show, but that's, but not, that's but it. Not, yeah. And that's it, a snapshot of like what it looks the like. The tip of the iceberg. I want yeah. like the base of that iceberg. Like no, totally. the whole all story, about it. Right? Like we never, yeah. and I think that, and I, and I hope that, because obviously like since a lot of stuff has, and we'll get into all the stuff that's happening in Bravo, but I hope that, you know, Candy and Portia and Giselle and some of the other ladies of Potomac, like, are truly, like, having these conversations. And, 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 sorry, the ladies of um, Married to Medicine. I really hope they're having conversations with Bravo about, like, maybe even, like, changing the direction of, you know, housewives. And not necessarily, like, obviously, like, everyone loves the drama. No one's, no one wants, like, you know, boring not saying boring stuff but like let us into your life a little bit more on the real side like the fact that like most people probably didn't know Portia's family history and the fact that she probably has been doing civil rights stuff for so long her entire life her whole life right her, her whole life she's 
six. Right. Her whole so life she's been protesting. Nobody knows that. And I think we got a little bit of Giselle's background on the last season of Potomac, like when they went to her dad's. Um, and they talked about it a little bit, but I still think like stuff like that is just so important to show. Yeah, because not to cut you off, but I think those are the those are the defining things in those women's life that got them to this point to be on the television show. Right. Yeah. Like in certain cities, it's like, well, how am I here? Well, if it's Orange County, it's like, you know, Vicky's son wrote a letter and then they just happened to pull into a neighborhood, right? They drove up to a place and they opened the gates and then they picked her, her, and her, and her. But some of the other housewives, these women have real legacies. Right. Yeah. They are really, um, I hate the word accomplished because I think it's all relative, right? But I think in their own right, the women of Atlanta, in Atlanta in particular, the Giselle Bryants, I think she had lived there for a little bit. Um, the Even, what's her face? Um, I'm having a blank. Give me two seconds. What's Eva? Eva the diva. Oh, Eva. Even Eva went to Spelman College. She went to a historically black college. Like, Right. They are very educated women, right. but we only obviously, right? Cause society, we're a little tone deaf. So we only care about the drama, but I like right. what you said, Carlin, like give, tell me your background and give me the drama. I'm actually going to probably be more intrigued. Yeah, right. They are going to have that. No matter, you're going to have drama, no matter what it's women, there are things in their lives. They're going to have that. But I think you also need to, and I will say that like, I appreciate that Bravo is not like a VH1 that has like love and hip hop and like shit like that, that just makes black people look terrible. It perpetuates the negative connotation. Right. And like, they've had seasons after seasons and like even basketball wives, like after a while I was like, I can't watch this, you know? And at least with Atlanta and Potomac and married of married to medicine, these are, these are women who are actively in their community, actively, you know, like, yeah, they have some fights that you're just kind of like, ooh, this is like too much. But it's not anything, I mean, they all have it, right? And so at least mm-hmm. that's, it's, it's not just, it's not just the Black franchises. It's also the white, <laughs> the white women who are fighting and like um, slamming glasses, Lisa Renna and uh, what's her face, Leanne Locken. So it's not, it's not a race. It's a, it's not a race thing. It's just the type of women. <laughs> it's a woman <laughs> thing. A female thing. Exactly. I was just about to say, it's not a race thing. It's a woman thing. And yeah. honestly, women are the people that can solve all the problems because Real. the fact that we're able to find so many different catty commonalities to relate with, do you know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. We yes. can't solve these fucking problems. Easy. We're <laughs> petty as fuck, and we might, like, put, you know, a Nerf teeny in someone's hair and make it fall out. I don't know if you've ever done that, but I've done that at camp, and I kind of regret it now in hindsight. But, um, you know, women, we can solve the problems. Yeah. yeah. I feel like if, if the Housewives went back to, like, a little bit of, like, what Orange County started in the beginning, because when it started in the beginning, it was more about, like, all the women and what they did. And they even didn't even interact as much with each other. Keep the interaction, but also give me more backstory on all of the women. And then also let's break that, keep breaking that fourth wall a little bit so they can talk about the shit that happens about filming that they're mad because 
Nini doesn't have to finish the reunion, but they do. Like, let me, I want to know that stuff. Like that, I want to know all of that. And then I think that will help. I would love, like, and I get it. Like, who knows? They probably film all this stuff and then they're like, that's not interesting. But like, I would have really loved to see for Beverly Hills, like a lot, excuse me, a lot of Erica's, like her preparing for Chicago. I love that. But I'm sure that they were in the editing thing and they're like, this is dumb. Let's focus on Denise and her stupid rumor, which, yes, that's great. But like, show us like what these women are actually doing and then bring in the drama. Okay, I just got a brilliant idea. Do we need to text, tweet or email Andy? Mm -hmm. So, But here's the thing. So I love Andy to death. Andy doesn't make these decisions anymore. Yeah. No, he doesn't, but he can still influence them. I don't know. I, I don't he know if can. he can. He can. I he think can. he can influence them, but I don't think he is like the... He pulled a Bethany Frankel, okay, with Skinny Girl and Beam. Yes. He pulled a Bethany Frankel where it's like, yeah. I still own this shit. No. But well, I don't manage it and oversee it day to day. He's My right. influence matters. He's he. The, so you're talking about his radio Andy um, interview, his little soundbite about Vanderpump Rules. Uh, so I agree because he never he never was a part of Vanderpump, right? I don't think he was ever a part of Vanderpump or Southern Charm because Whitney was the one that started. Whitney's the executive producer of Southern Charm. And Whitney's is EP, but Andy. And he was the head of content for Bravo. So right. he oversaw every show at one point. So, and now so, he doesn't. That's still an EP, though, of some of the housewives. Yeah. Correct. But he gives Southern Charms and Vanderpump Rules the blessing. He gives them the blessing to shoot their pilots. Well, and right. then he kind of steps away. Right. But which has already been done. Like, you mean when they started in the beginning? At the very, very beginning. When there's a show, when there's a concept for a show, they go to Andy. Yes, correct. Andy kind of psychologically analyzes. Do they still go to him though? Yes. Even though he doesn't get to make like a hiring decision. They just get his opinion like consultant wise on it. How how do we set the scene on this? Is it overdone? Have we overplayed it? Do we need to pull back? Do we need to adjust? the storyline do we need to ingest the emphasis of the show do we have too many shows that are similar like they kind of go to him for the well, probably the institutional knowledge like the guidance of that yeah. he's, the Andy okay, that Co- he's, he's the anderson cooper of bravo right yeah. put it put mm-hmm. it in or or the roger ailes he's the roger ailes of bravo but he's not fat, ugly, and a disgusting pig <laughs> yeah and like <laughs> me too everybody well actually no. i've heard things about andy so Oh, let's keep, yeah, let's keep it moving. Hashtag me too, but we'll save that for another episode. <laughs> yeah, that's not today's topic. One of the things, okay. let's let's stay on Atlanta. Let's stay oh. geographical for a little bit. Um, okay. Because one of the things that I did want to talk about, I think you guys have all kind of caught up a little bit now on the reunions. You've got oh, like refreshing yes. it. I have three things to tell you. One thing, the Hollywood Squares thumb tiles of all of them in glam was unreal amazing but they looked crisp and beautiful and perfect i need bravo to send me whatever cameras or computers or whatever they sent them i need that's what i want to know i want one my camera is blurry as 
fuck on a Zoom call. Hi. Um, I think on Vanderpump Rules, at some point, you could see the setup. They sent them all that. They sent them. They send them they kids. Sent, yeah, it's the same thing they did with The Voice. Because I'm a loser. Oh, I'm behind. Like the voice. Oh, I'm behind. How? I don't. Sorry. This I have is- to ask you how this works, though, now. What are you doing? Virtual voices? So The Voice, is, it, they've already finished the season. They sent everybody... Um, they sent everyone like a, a big giant box, including the co- the um, judges, judges yeah. and coaches or whatever they call them. And they had to set them up. And then in the, the voice, they pre-recorded like their performance for the night. And then they had to send it in early in the day because they were afraid like if they did a live show, like what if their Wi-Fi goes out? So they let them pre-record them. And then the Zoom editors did like all kinds of like crazy like tricks and backgrounds and stuff. But do you like it? Have to no, I did not. I did not like it at all. Uh, I mean, some people are still super talented, and like the yeah. people who I thought were the most talented, like I, I still enjoyed their performances. Some of them felt too produced. Like yeah. when you're watching like the regular performances, they don't feel too produced. Like yeah, sometimes they have background singers and dancers and whatever, but like this was like music video produced. Um, I also don't like who won, so. Oh, shit. Wait to watch. Okay. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll do that soon. So anyway, but sorry, I didn't mean to go off. No, that's okay. So yeah. They sent them like this whole setup and instructions and so that's like what they've sent everybody, but like, I want, I want it. So basically what we're saying is for Christmas, we want Bravo in a bag to be delivered to our house. Yeah. Like, can you at least like. Like, tweet a list of all the supplies that I need to have to have my Zoom videos looking as yeah, Tell good. us what we need to do. Yeah. I need to find out. We So we, I'm going to add Bravo in a bag to my wish list. Like, I'll take – I'll do what I need to do for glam. I just, like, you get me the, the list Hi. of supplies. Did you see that Candy did her makeup? That was my second thing I was going to talk about, was that Candy did her own makeup, and she I made really- she made a point to be like, I did my own. And I was looking at her like, damn, bitch, you look so perfect right now. Um, can we please refer to Candy as Candy, the winner of the Mass Singer 2020? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, we really should, right? And her hair, everything was just I like. Love, listen, I don't care. Looked, yeah. I don't care what people say. At the end of the day, Candy did not need Real Housewives of Atlanta. Did it? Did it? bring her into more people's households that probably did not know who Candy was? Absolutely. But Candy has been making money for so long. So long. Who, who, like, and I feel like Nene always says that, and it's just like, bro, like, people knew who Candy was. Like, I loved Escape. I, I love, I mean, all the songs that she writes, I love. So, yes, did she get more fa- did she get more famous from housewives maybe but i i think she would always have the same i think she would always have the money that she has i agree oh, yeah i, I don't her, think it's helped her her like money situation i mm. think her hustle would remain the same yeah. and i think that she has always been investing in companies that aren't mainstream or they're not front page of anything anyways um, and that's really where the wealth is, right? It's not the shiny object that everyone's staring at. And I think that she's a very oh, smart person. It's no. Yeah. 
And yeah. just the way other people talk about her in the music industry, like even like how they spoke about her on The Masked Singer, like when they're all like talking about, oh, we think it's Candy, like the way that they all the judges like she, yeah. she didn't need she doesn't need a platform to make her like she would have made, made her platform somehow some yeah. way would have we would have seen her she wrote she songs music, for destiny's child she wrote songs she wrote for no scrub come on wrote, she's no written scrub. songs for country music artists like some of your favorites i mean yeah she is a so real, talented and honestly like I hate Mama Joyce because I find her to be a little extra unnecessarily sometimes. But you know what? If I gave birth to such a talented person who was so successful in her own right, I think I would probably be a little overly protective too. So I think it's just a mom with good instinct looking out for her child. She's very much a mama bear. You got to make something out of those lemons. I couldn't believe that she called Todd a lemon. (laughs) That he was the lemon. I'm saying what? you are the lemonade. Amazing. I bet you are lying. <laughs> You're lying, Mama Joyce, and we see right through you. And honestly, how hard is it for Todd to be a husband on Real Housewives of Atlanta? He had an EP job before this show <laughs> that he basically had to say, listen, I cannot work anymore because my <laughs> wife owns me. So I will get her calendar and then I'll tell you what days I'm available. Right. And she's so busy. And like, he is her husband. Like she's, yeah. she is like the breadwinner. She is every, like, she is the main focus. Her schedule sets everything. Like, yeah. Did you see the episode where her personal assistant was sitting down with Todd going over the yes. baby kid schedule? Ace yes. He's like, okay, Ace has football practice. <laughs> so what's on your calendar? <laughs> it's just like oh my god it was amazing i have a friend. you had a third thing from atlanta to say. i did my third thing from atlanta okay so we've talked about nini check the box we've talked about candy we have to she's an og there's a beef between the two of them and i think it's really about um a competition of each other's hustle yeah, we'll talk about that later but the thing we have to really talk about question mark did what's her face Giovanna that bitch Giovanna did that bitch Giovanna from Spellman <laughs> she was in the big booty crew <laughs> did she get a contract and I yeah. knew that could not be true I read that she's a full-time housewife yeah, next week. I think it's bullshit I, I think it's complete bullshit and who are the producers that we need to petition but here's the thing until they start filming and until like bravo says it i don't necessarily know if it's true yeah i mean it was reported but i did i only saw it reported a couple of places so like it could be true I hope it's not true. I, it's not. I felt like Nini, I'm um, not Nini. I felt like Candy poked a lot of holes in her Giovanna story by saying, Nini asked you to record people. And the fact that you even said that you would do it makes me not trust you. Like, yeah. I felt like Candy was very good at holding her accountable for causing so much unnecessary drama. And because of that unnecessary drama, as Candy said, I am over it.com. Like, I don't need you on the season anymore. I felt like you were thirsty last episode, last season. I feel like you're even more thirsty now. Like, go right. away. No one likes you. Genuinely, no one likes you. 
Yeah, I think it's weird for them to cast someone that, like, most of the cast really does not like. And why haven't we given Marlo a peach already? Yes, thank yeah. you. She's I mean, a mom tea now. Like, come on, give her some clout. She has to really she, change her life around. Marlo should have had one a long time ago. I think if they're going to add a new girl, Tanya would... It has to be that. Great. Yeah, either Tanya would be awesome because yeah. I love Canadians and I love how good she is at putting Kenya in her place. Eh? She does yeah. such a good job of letting her know how messy she is. And <laughs> I think that the older Kenya gets, the more she's starting to show that she's not good at her com- Her comebacks are suffering. No, I think she not- had a kid and she lost her ability to really like uh, deflect. Her deflections aren't so great anymore. Shade, her shade isn't shade anymore. And I think that's what Portia was trying to get across is that like Portia was like, my shade is like fun shade. You know, even the thing yeah. that she was talking about when she was talking about the wig and she was like, um, she was like, I know she, uh, oh, she was like, I know. <laughs> it's like, I know, um, she was like, I can tell you um, her account like that she uses on Go Naked Hair, you know? And so it was, she was just like, it was just funny, you know? And yeah. I think that Kenya's has turned into like below the bell and like even, cause I, I want to say she almost was trying to say like the cookie lady stuff was shade. She was shading her. And I'm like, no, you are just being vicious. Like you are, you are outwardly trying to like, you brought this woman to confront her to say like oh yeah your boyfriend or your fiance hooked, like was trying to hook up with me like that's just to me that's malicious and that's it is malicious like, it's wow. so malicious and you would think as a new wife that she wouldn't go to those ex- do you know what I'm saying? Like now that she's in a relationship with someone she actually likes and wants to hold on to, you think she would have a respect and an appreciation for other people's relationships? But does no, but I think that she's so unhappy yes. that she she's so unhappy and probably so like I don't know if jealous is the right word or just she angry is. that like now so she has her baby, she has her husband, but yet her life is still not great because her relationship is really bad. And so I think that her way of dealing with that is being like nasty to the other women in a way that they are not nasty to each other. Like they get into fights, they call each other out, they throw shade, but like their intent is not malicious and her intent is malicious. malicious. Mm -hmm. I think she has some deep rooted psychological problems. I think that the jealousy word that you didn't want to use is very much, that is totally her MO. She just like a very jealous woman that wants to take away anything from anybody else. Even her best friend, like her best friend, Cynthia Bailey, she dogged her out about her winery. And I felt like, and she was like, it was, that's the thing too, that she was like, oh, it's shade. No, you are, you are, you are. That was nasty. That was nasty. That was so rude. If, if, if I was with the two of you and we were like on vacation and we went on a trip and one of you tried to like call me out on something like that, I think I would be so embarrassed. I'd be so hurt. I probably would have left crying. 
just it's not, also it's not uncalled for. Who cares? Correct. That she doesn't know. Like that's not her business. She's not a sommelier, right? And as a best friend, you should know that. Like, yeah. you know, my girl is opening a wine shop. Like, it's just a wine shop. She's not the one telling people. Even when she went in and she was like, oh, that's the that's the $5 wine. That's I saw that on sale. You need to move that to the bottom shelf. It's like, let me mark this up and make some money, bitch. Right. Like, leave Actually, me alone. The, that cheap wine is probably what's going to sell the most. Correct. <laughs> Even if it's $15. Let's see yes. if we sell what her do a Trader Joe's wine. Oh, um, buck okay, yeah. This oh is $6 goodness. great. I only go for two buck chuck, by the way. <laughs> Charles Schwab or nothing else. Or Whispering Angel because it's got a name. Whispering Angel. <laughs> I can't do it like Heather McMahon. She, she, Wait, she, you she, have she, to try Hampton's Water, though. Hampton's oh, we got to try that. On our I have not. I'm going to order that on my next drizzle. It's you guys by need to John be, Bon Jovi. It's good. You, you guys need to be sponsored by Drizzly. So uh, this is my official request. Dude, for you need to be sponsored by a lot of people. Sponsorship. <laughs> Drizzly should give you a credit on your account every month for you guys to record your podcast. That'd be amazing. That'd be amazing. We should just start sliding into people's DMs. I'm going to slide into their DMs for you. Oh, thank you. As our... We are marketing manager. Hi, I'm the registered Housewives Champs and Gossip Correspondent. And I have two beautiful girls who would love $50 bonus in their account every month. I mean, come on. We already are like clients of Drizzly. Correct. We're already giving you your money. So just give us a little bit. Right. You'll make it back in stupid fees on the They really will. Honestly, maybe I'll become best friends with Heather McMahon and then she can hook us up. Heather, if you're listening to this call right now, Caroline slid into her DMs and Heather responded. Uh, and and liked my and followed following me. So Heather, if you don't mind, if you're listening <laughs> to this call right now, Stephanie and Carlin would love a hookup. So I'm gonna put the earnest on you to contact yes, Drizzly on behalf of Chance and Gossip. <laughs> I might call okay. I might have to call her absolutely not phone like phone line. Oh you know God, what? Yeah. I think that you should. Actually, I'm going to call the absolutely not phone line. And I'm going to be like, I absolutely do not have a question for you, Heather. But I need you to do something for my champs and gossip girl. She might do it. I will she's amazing. She is so awesome. She has been using her platform to just... Because, like, she's been... So, she lives in Atlanta. Um, and she... Well, she's staying with her mother in Atlanta. She's from Atlanta. <laughs> And she has just been like, she'll like be on her Insta stories and talk about like random things that she's doing and whatever. And so obviously when all of this stuff happened, she's been like speaking a lot about it and like, make sure you vote, like, you know, Black Lives Matter. I love like, just like- She's super woke. Yeah, like so much support. And she, and so like, I like responded with like, I clapped and I was like, yay. And she was like, she responded and was like, love you. And then started following, yeah, started following me. And then I, and then I think I responded on another um, post of hers. Oh, because she, <laughs> she was saying that all of her dates, like she was like looking through like all of her cities. And I was like, oh, I love you. I love you. You should like, I hope you come to Orlando because I would love to go to your <gasps> show. She responded and was like, I'll definitely put that on the list now. 
Yeah, because it's going to be the only place that's open for soccer and basketball. So no one is really fine. Wide open. No one else is hosting any events, Boo Heather. So I need you to come to Orlando. Um, We may not be able to go in the event, but we can host it. We can host it. And we can live stream it on TV. I know two amazing. My unlimited Zoom account. I know two people that are really great at organizing large audiences. Yeah. I'm sure we can get that scheduled. Sure Listen, if you if you want me to work the ticket box office for Heather McDonald's show to be McMahon. <laughs> Heather McDonald, Heather McMahon. We listen to a lot of Heathers. The Heathers. So many Heathers, so little time. But listen, the best thing that I love about her is that she was like, "Look." Stephanie, I think you saw this one, but she was like, look, all you people out there who are mad that I am speaking out about Black Lives Matter, you can get your refund, call your point of purchase, because I don't want you at my show. She was like, if you're a racist, I don't want you there. And then in the background, her husband goes... Yeah, <laughs> and he said either suck or eat. I think he said eat a dick, Karen. <laughs> he did say eat a dick, Karen, in the background. And Best she, husband yeah. ever, right? Best husband ever. The fact that she was like, "Don't come to my show." At the yeah. end of the day, if you have an issue with me speaking out about something, then I don't need you. I am not for you. Yeah. Yeah, I, she I, did that. She said it on her podcast, too, this week. Mm-hmm. She's like, someone slid into her DMs and was like, do you think XYZ is true? And if so, I want a refund. And she oh. was like, oh, I'll give you a refund. Like, I don't even know if I know if XYZ is true yet. Like opinion wise, but like I'll yeah, give you a refund. Like it was about defunding the police, and she yeah, was like, she was like, I don't know enough about it yet, but like if you want a refund, you can have a refund. Like yeah, I think that's really the interesting thing about the collective voice, right? Like all the angry aggro think like I'm not gonna give you my money, guys. There's 32 billion people in this country. <laughs> well, also this person already gave her, <laughs> her money, which means that they are our fa- a fan of hers. I and know. It's not like suddenly she has these crazy thoughts like she's kind of always been like consistent like maybe they assumed because she went to Ole Miss that like those are some of the most people I have ever met my whole I'm just like this is how she's always been she's always like loud about topics and like totally has never once made me think she would say the contrary so like clearly you're not a fan Never have I ever met a white girl that went to Ole Miss or grew up in Mississippi that I didn't fucking like. And I don't know what that's saying about me. Maybe I just know how to pick them. Maybe I just know how to pick them. I think you know how to pick them. But don't fuck with the white girl from Mississippi who is pro-Black Lives Matter. Because she will tell you where to sit and how hard to sit. That is true. Yes, that is true. That's true. Hey everyone, this episode was really long, so I had to cut it into two. So um, you will see part two after this. Thanks.